Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. How's it going? I feel like I am strained. I am weak. I'm a bit, uh, it's not tired. I feel a, a, a weight on my cells because um, I got my booster. I got boosted yesterday. I got boosted. I'm going out. Five nights a week, standing in front of hundreds of people, some masked, some unmasked. I'm not wearing a mask. I think that counts as being a relatively high-risk situation. But I'm out in the world. I'm doing the work. So I got my booster. And I don't I don't feel good. I do not feel good. But I feel like I did the right thing. I feel like uh, now I'm, I'm set. I got the flu vaccine a couple of weeks ago. I am fucking loaded. I am loaded. I've had the shingles vaccine. My cells are just, they're, they're ready. They, they have a point of reference for most things that'll come through. And they'll be like, nope, no can do. We're not going to let you run with that. Sorry. Yeah, we, we've got all the genetic information we need on, uh, on you. And you can just move on through the body. Go for it. Today on the show, I have a nice long conversation with uh, Jennifer Lee Pryor. She's the widow of Richard Pryor, who she married twice. Uh, she's also an actor, a writer, producer, and she's just worked with the uh, with the Time Life people to curate a new career-spanning box set of Richard Pryor's work. And going into this, I have you know I don't know anything about anybody really. You don't know anything about anybody really until you meet them or sit with them or talk to them or engage with them for a period of time. You make assumptions. And I really didn't know anything about her other than she married Richard twice. And I didn't know what that was about. Uh, I guess I knew that she was in charge of the estate because she put this thing out. But I just didn't have any sense of who she was. And it's easy, I think, for us to judge the wives of famous people or the wives that end up with, you know, the estates. Or It's easy to put them in a box or diminish them or whatever it is. It's not good what I was presupposing or judging or, you know, assumed. So when I met Jennifer, it was like amazing. I mean, we went through her life. She was in, in Hollywood in the seventies and the acting and where she came from and what she was up to globe trotting, modeling, doing the acting, hanging out with uh, big directors, big stars. It was the seventies, man. But the bottom line is 
is that the reason it was such a great conversation is that she was with Richard at the highest point that he had. She was with Richard when he created and performed that first live in concert movie, which changed my life and also, you know, put him on the map, I would assume globally, but certainly it was a big crossover thing. Uh, That was the defining special of, in terms of my influences around stand-up for me, but just in terms of him. And she was there through the development and shooting of that, and then onward through his suicide attempt when he set himself on fire. And then she kind of gets pushed out and brought back in again at the end of his life when he's battling MS. And to talk to somebody who was around for both of those things or just around Richard at that time where, you know, that was the peak. And after that, it was it was sort of a very slow but defined decline. And the insight that she had about him and and her experience with him, but but also like herself and what you know she went through with him. It was uh, it was much more exciting and interesting than I was prepared for. And, and I really liked her. And it was just, um, it was great. It was great talking to her. And the box set's fucking amazing. I um, I went to a, a Wilco show last night and a couple of things were revealed to me. You know, it's like, I don't know about this grief business, you guys. I don't, you know, obviously we've been all going through it and, and, uh, and you know my story, but but it was weird. It was it was one of those events where I was standing there at this thing out with people, and I realized, like in in a moment there, that I made it through. But Lynn Shelton did not make it through. She should have been here. She should have been there. She should have been at the show enjoying the music. She didn't make it through. And there was a moment where it was sort of leveling that void. But I'm starting to realize, because I ran into another guy, I ran into Mike O'Brien, who's a writer, uh, AP Bio, and he used to write for SNL. But he wrote Sword of Trust, the story, with Lynn. And I saw him, and he was right there. And I, and I went up to him. I hadn't seen him you know, since the pandemic. And, and I just said, look, it's, it's sad, man. She should be here. And he's like, yeah, it's, it's terrible. And I, it is terrible. And I, I almost felt like bawling in front of him because of his connection with her. They were friends and they wrote together. But, but I was kind of keeping it all inside. But I realized that I have a profound depth of anger, really. And why wouldn't I? About not being able to have the life that was going to happen. Fury, anger. That can go nowhere. What do you do with that? I mean, yeah, life is not fair. People die. Tragedy happens. That's it. That's the nature of it. There's nowhere to put that anger. You shake your fist at the sky, but it's real. It's real. I know Tweety's a pretty sweet presence and has a, a lot of heart up there. And, you know, he said a few words and there was a vulnerability to the whole goddamn thing. Just the, the the gratitude that he had for people coming out, for his crew, for, you know, not having gotten sick, any of them. And, 
you know, just the nature of what was going on with everyone in masks and how bizarre it was, but we're doing it. We're doing what humans do. We're doing what humans do when they, they are together. They are rejoicing. They are doing a community crowd experience thing. And it's, it's new again. So I felt carried by the vulnerability of that particular band in that particular moment. But God damn it, man. God damn it. The absence. The absence. So, Richard Pryor, you know, as everything kind of flies into the rear view mirror, as everything is in the rear view mirror, the rear view mirror, oddly, is um, everything all the time. The rear view mirror is always present. There is no context. There is no history when you look into the rearview mirror that is your computer or whatever you're looking into to pull up whatever it is you want in that moment from any period in time in the history of time, in the history of pictures, in the history of whatever has been documented or made into content, which is almost everything. That rearview mirror, you can really get lost in it. But for me... And I've been thinking a lot about this, not about nostalgia, about you know what I'm made of and where I come from. And man, do I remember going to that late night showing of Richard Pryor live in concert when I was in high school with my buddy Dave, Dave Bishop, R.I.P. And I don't remember if it was a midnight movie or just a late one, but man, we went in there not knowing what to expect. And Jesus, man, just laughed and laughed and laughed hard. At the movie. It was amazing. I must have been 15. I'd never experienced anything like that. And it changed my life. It was the most amazing thing I ever saw, comedically speaking. And looking back on it, as you grow with the genius, the work of somebody else, and you watch that thing, you know, I probably watch it once a year. And as I, you know, began doing comedy, and you know, you can only aspire to a certain thing and you know, if people ask me, I'll say Richard's the best, and I believe that he's the best. And the reason I always give is not unlike many of other people that give the same reason, is that the humanity of Pryor, the vulnerability of Pryor, the, the risk, the emotional risks he would take to talk about the darkest shit that he went through, bringing himself up there, you know, which is my guiding light. You know, I don't know if I learned it from him, but that me, I would have to assume I did. You bring yourself up there. In all of your fucking darkness, in all of your foibles, in all of your insanity, you bring it up there. Bring yourself up there. What is that story? What do you put it on the line, man? And he lived, uh, you know, a life that I believe became exhausting and dangerous because of that, because of his vulnerability and because of his volatility. But I do remember years later when I was at the comedy store in the late 80s working the door and Richard was trying to, he was coming around a bit to work out some stuff. And just to see him in, in the flesh, I just remember like watching him walk down the hall with Mitzi smoking a cigarette and just, you could feel it, man. The weird frenetic vulnerability and the fucking humanity of the guy, the beaten humanity, the guy who destroyed himself in almost every way and, 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 and would kind of crawl back 
each time. Just to walk behind him in that hallway, smell his cigarette smoke, and watch him go upstairs and sit with Mitzi in the belly room they were sitting. But I did remember, and I've told this story before, watching him on stage try out some shit. He hadn't been on stage in, I don't think, years. And he had a hard time because he was pure Richard and people you know, didn't give him the respect he deserved when he went up there. But it was all there. Like, you know, his, his sensitivity, his vulnerability, and probably his fear, because he, he was the guy that said that. And many people have said it one way or the other, but he said the only enemy of creativity is fear. So I must, I must, I'm, I have to imagine that there was some fear there, but he, he was very visceral, very human, very present. But not in a cocky way, not in a swaggering way. He put his heart on the fucking line up there, always. And I also saw him years later when he was in the wheelchair for a minute. Boy, illness and death and aging is difficult. But he went up there in that condition, that fragile, near death, to show himself in that way. That was who he was then. I'm going to bring myself up here. Fragile in a wheelchair. Dying. And put my heart on the fucking line. That's a fucking artist, man. Okay, so as I mentioned earlier, Jennifer Lee Pryor is uh, the widow of Richard Pryor. Uh, she married him twice. Once in the 70s and once in the uh, the aughts. Uh, she was with him when he passed away, which I oddly didn't talk about that moment. I don't know. I must have got caught up. Or maybe I'm just, I don't know. I think it's a death thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm having a hard time with it. Time Life just put out this uh, ultimate Richard Pryor collection, Uncensored. It's got all four of his live concert films, all episodes of the Richard Pryor show, his feature film, Jojo Dancer, Your Life is Calling, two documentaries, plus hours of stand-up, late-night appearances and interviews. It's all of it. It is all of it. And it's an amazing box set. And this was an amazing uh, conversation for me. I really enjoyed talking to Jennifer uh, Lee Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts fire
what brought you out here? Where are you from? You sound like you're from New York. I'm from upstate New York originally. Oh, oh okay. Years in New York, went to Finch College, dropped out, started working for Canon Films. What, uh, oh, with the Globulon and Globus? What, yes. What were they, yeah. what were Before they, it was Globus. Globus and yeah, Globus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Globus and Globus, yeah. He, re- he recently <laughs> died, by the way. All yeah, right, yeah, so you're in yeah. upstate New York. It's what, the 70s? Uh, well, no, upstate. You, it, I moved to New York and New York I City. went to Finch College in 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 the seven in uh, sixty nine, and and left after one year. What is Finch College? Finch College. Trisha Nixon went there as a senior. It's the only. It's the oh. college where rich girls can get into oh, so you, when they are, do grades suck. So you come from the fancy family. Well, I come from privilege. You do. And my dad made a little endowment, and I got in. Oh, know, really? Because because yeah. my my grades. What's the sucked. background? What do you mean, like uh, privilege? Dad, a out? lawyer. Oh yeah, a lawyer worked yeah. for Governor Harriman very very well. Well-known lawyer, yeah, upstate yeah, New York, yeah. brilliant actually. Yeah. Mother mentally ill, but interesting as hell. Jewish family? Uh, no, no, Irish Catholic. Irish Catholic. Irish Catholic. There you yeah, go. yeah. Tough. Blue, blue blood on the crazy mother's side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, Irish Catholic on the dad. Tough. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, it got confusing. Uh-huh. It got complicated. Yeah, especially with those martinis. Those, sure. Oh yeah. Those fifties oh, yeah. martinis and the, the mill towns. Booze yeah. all day. Start, oh. at, start at lunch. Oh yeah. Ride oh, it yeah. out. Oh yeah, 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 and all night long. Too. Oh really? So oh, yeah. Big boozy family. Oh, big boozy. So you're wired for. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, acquired a som- insomnia at an early age. You oh, know, yeah, from yeah. the parties, from the parties, and the and the and the and the fisticuffs. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> rock and roll. So so you know, ending up with Richard was kind of uh, a fait accompli. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Familiar. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So all right. So you go to Finch and then you split. I split and I started working at Canon and modeling in New York. And yeah. Oh, so they were in New York originally. Yeah, they were in New York. So before yeah, they become this East Fifty Third Street. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What were they doing? The, producing the Friedlanders. Movies? Yeah, uh, producing kind of soft porn. Yeah. And they did Joe with Peter Boyle. Oh, great movie. Yeah. What a sick fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. And and so it was it was an interesting place to kind of yeah, land, you right. know. And then from there, I, I I left and worked for some independent films. Um, I was behind the scenes. Oh, I was, oh. yeah, I was PA and yeah. um, just you know doing what I could do. Yeah. You know, hustling. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then it's I'm the seventies. It's groovy. It's seventies. It's New York. Man, 70s, having fun. Scrappy New York. Having yeah. fun. Met Barry Barons and lived with her. Then started modeling. Like model for Halston. I was Dion Furstenberg's first showroom model. Yeah. And just you know onwards. You, you know, mm-hmm. beautiful young women did that. Yeah, that's yeah. Kind, running around. Yeah, running around. But I, I was running with a certain crowd. I just met. You meet in the early seventies. Yeah. You could meet everybody. Right. I met Roman and Warren and Eric. You know, all in New York. Uh, oh yeah. Huh. Oh yeah. You know, having three parties? with Warren. I mean, yeah. That's what you did in the seventies. <laughs> That's what everyone did. That's what everyone did. All the girls. Richard would say to me, "You had threesomes with Roman and Warren. Why don't you have a threesome with me?" I said, "Richard, it was the early seventies. You did. It was recreational. It, right. You don't yeah. do it when you're in love. Right. And it was oh, oh right because it's like Lenny Bruce's bit. You didn't have to like it that much. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man. But so like so you're living that life, and this is before everyone was acknowledged as monsters. Exactly. <laughs> it was exactly. Just, oh yeah. We everyone just, was just fucking around. We just brushed it off our shoulders, yeah. you know, and went on, moved on. So when did you come out here? So I started coming back and forth out here and um, decided I wanted to be an actress and uh, went to Stella Adler in New York. I studied with her. And then How I was that for you? As, you know, she was smart. She yeah. said to me one day, the best thing I ever was told by anybody, she goes, you have a problem. Yeah. I said, what? what <laughs> yeah. That's fine. You, the problem is you're very beautiful yeah. and you don't know yet that you didn't earn it. <laughs> 
I mean, the best line ever. Oh, yeah. That comes from a deep chip on the shoulder. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I know your type. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, she's right. I was running with the princes. I'd yeah. say, I I got to go. I got to go to London, you know. I'm, right. I'm, I'm hanging out with that Nankoshogi. Wow. And, and she said, you know, she, she pegged me. She looked at me and she, said, you're a party girl. What so you, you knew doing? all these fuckers. I knew everybody. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. But, but I was looking for love. Yeah? Oh, yeah. But, I mean, like, what did you find... Did you like you know? Look, I did my share of blow, and I've been to enough parties. I mean, right. did you often feel that you were in the presence of of evil or darkness, or did you were you more sort of like, well, I'm just having fun? Um, it, it got dark a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I knew how to make a quick exit. You right, know? right. And, and I was good at that. Because there's always a, I always remember you know when you're high and you're at those certain situations. There's yeah. always a weirdness where like, where'd that guy come from? Yeah, I had that <laughs> in London with Roman. Roman, Roman could be squirrely. You know what I mean? Well, I'm, clearly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You're not, yeah. <laughs> not saying anything. Squirrely's that, diplomatic. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Really. Um, stayed in his um, um, his muse house, and this was I met him right after. Um, the murders. Well, right? I guess that like does a number on a person too. Obviously, Shit, I mean, yeah. like you know, how are you ever going to recover from that? What the fuck is that going to do to your? But psyche? he was dark. I yeah. mean, I was going to parties with him. This is right after the murders. Yeah, and um, and I remember being at a party with him, and he and we were in the kitchen, and he picked up a knife. And he said, you know, you're never supposed to leave a knife outside unattended. Um, it, yeah. You must put these away. And I, uh, yeah, like, and I, like yeah, yeah, I got to go. Yeah, like, like, yeah so we, gonna, yeah, yeah, we got to blow because I'm going <laughs> to. <laughs> you know, yeah, he was he was a squirrel. He he videotaped uh, uh, me having threesomes with him. And, oh, really? Oh, yeah. We have you gotten? Uh, is that? Do you have the rights to those tapes? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Are yeah. they around? Yeah, yeah, those, really. The really. weird grainy black and white really? videos. Yeah, but yeah. in the in his garage, he had floor to ceiling. Uh, every magazine publication on that murder. Was in yeah, I can't, his, I can't like his garage. I mean, you know that he's obviously history has proven to make him a, a very un, unsympathetic character. Yeah. But you know, in light of that murder, I really wonder, you know, what that fucking did to that guy. I well, mean, I think what 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 that did was, you know, I I mean, I think the 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 it was, uh, uh, you know, his his psychology was formed as a kid when he escaped. Um, the, the camp. Yeah. 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 Sure, and then that, and then like you know, something just broke you forever. Know, exactly, like, I'm so, a knife in the water. I mean, yeah, you oh know, yeah, dark guy. So when you come, when do you finally like land out here? Were you working? So yeah, I would work every time I, I would you know come, and it was a really interesting time because everybody was sort of making the move, right? From, right in the seventies, late seventies. Yeah. Mm, we're mid? talking mid seventies oh, now. Times. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's sort of slowly migrating yeah. out to California, right, right. Right. And I remember somebody saying sort of like the the. Herman Hess book, um, uh, Magister Lude. There are only eight hundred of us. Yeah. There are eight hundred of us. Like there's a tribe, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I always when I talk to people about Hollywood, I'm from that time. I'm very fascinated with the small town nature of it, yeah. and that like yeah. you know, if you were at a certain level, you know, you were kind of around everybody. Everyone was around, and then there were the hangers True. on, then there were the facilitators of bad news, uh, you know, who's to go go places, you know, bring drugs and whatever. That's but right. but there was just this. It was a small community. It was, and everybody seemed to be at someone. 
someone's house. Yeah, right. That's, uh, someone's house in the canyon. You got Beachwood. You got Laurel. <laughs> right. And then you in between the Troubadour and Dantanas. Yeah. All, right. Uh, exactly. Know, that's really where it happened. Right. You know. Right. And, and then in the homes, of course, in in the right. canyons. You know. So who are you running with? Who are the people oh, in the seventies? I, I was running with John Prine. Was oh, I love him. I love him, and I the, love his wife. And like you know, he. I had him on the show. I just what a what a fucking. I met John. Oh. I, I worked on uh, Willie Nelson's first annual Fourth of July picnic at Dripping, Spr- Dripping Springs, Texas yeah. in 71. The first one. The first one. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I got around. I yeah. mean, yeah. And uh, I was this Francois. So you knew Willie a long time. Oh, I knew, I knew Willie forever. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I met John there. And uh, John was performing there. Yeah. And at the end of the evening, um, he was sitting at the edge of the stage and Everyone was exhausted, and obviously, you know, evening's done. It yeah. went on for three days. Yeah. Um, and I sat down next to him, and he said, the stars are so beautiful, they embarrass me. Huh. And I fell madly in love. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think I just did. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I had a thing with him that night, and it kind of went on. It went on, you know, wherever we were. Yeah. You know, I saw him in New York. Sure. When he was there, I'd see him in L.A. And it went on for quite a while. It went on for two and decades, And that was really the, 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 that was the, the context of it, though? Like, hey, let's hang out. And, yeah, you know. I, you know, that's it, it. it's interesting because when he died, I was so sad. Um, and I had to look at that. I had to say why, you know, he was the only other man I loved. I mm. mean, besides Richard. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. I you could not. Yeah, no, he was a him. sweet guy. He just had this yeah. fucking soul. Yeah. And such a poet. Yes, for and sure. And he just, you know, one one night at the. That shed- vulnerability seems to be what you uh, like, huh? The vulnerability mm. is. <laughs> I'm making a note of that. Huh? Yeah, well, well uh, I mean, you know, when you, you try to draw a line between those two guys, you know, they were both sort of poetic spirits, you know. That's it. Yeah. That's really it. Um, yeah. Mm. I, I remember one night I was. Uh, you know, still carrying around the luggage of my childhood souvenir, if you will, and um, he he played a song called "Bruised Orange" yeah. for me. He had just written, and I mean, he made me look at myself too. He just made me say, "What am I doing mm. with this self pity? This yeah. kind of you know um, uh, self importance that I'm getting from, yeah. from from sadness." Yeah, it let me just abandon that. He made me look at it. Yeah, and uh, he was just special in every way. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you when know, he died, what happened to you? Were you? No, I, you know, I was really, really sad, and I had to say, why couldn't we ever get together? Yeah for real and I think it, I had to look at the fact that that's the way it was kind of established right you know and I wasn't ready to sure to settle down with and it's, him it's, a, to... it's a strange thing with people that have relationships with troubadours and performers I mean you know it is a thing it is and you know it is there are terms to it and, and it's it's for, existed forever that's right and you know I don't know if it's a pathology it's just you know you get what you can I think yeah right and you have to respect it yeah I mean, if you're if you're gonna if you can't stand the heat, you know, mm-hmm. take the exit. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so when you finally settled out here. Yeah. So I'm out here, and I am living in a little bungalow on um, a different little apartment. Uh, yeah, in the seventies, yeah. I have a little bungalow. Are you working? Working? Yeah, here and there. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm doing little bits in films. I was in Sunshine Boys and oh, yeah. Man in the Glass Booth oh, and yeah. Wild Party, James Ivory, and yeah, I'm, I'm getting work. Right. Yeah. yeah. So one day, my friend Lucy Saroyan, 
William's daughter. Yeah, yeah, sure. She was a brilliant girl. She she died about wow twenty years ago now. Mm. Um, heroin overdose. Oh God, man. Yeah, when everybody was cleaning up too, which was so bizarre. So much, so much dope around. It's like you know, everyone cleans up, but you know, culturally we all identify this, you know, this cleaning up period. But the, you know, junkies are junkies, and they're always going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's true. They're, yeah. They never stop. No, I mean, it's so true. It's so true. But anyway, she said to me, "Listen, I'm working. Um, I was in Texas with a friend of mine, uh-huh. uh, Nano Byrne, a songwriter, and we were playing in clubs. She wanted to see if she wanted to be a performer, and I." I went along with her yeah. and, and I could play guitar and sing and so we sang in clubs in, in Austin mm-hmm. mainly Austin and um, I got back and I'm like I need a gig you yeah. know, I'm broke I need a gig and Lucy said well I'm working for Richard Pryor and she loved Richard she, yeah. was, she, she was what I called a one night stand that stayed too long oh yeah <laughs> and um, so she said come out you can be my you know kind of Sue decorator what, what was she doing for him she was actually it was her idea. She deserves credit for this. The opening of the NBC variety show. Yeah. When he said, they didn't take anything from me, and yeah. then he's got the nude suit on. Yeah, 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 yeah. That right? was her idea? That was her idea. Oh, that's great. So she was a smart yeah, yeah, girl, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but she was forever haunted by her mother, who was Carol Saroyan Saroyan Mathau. Yeah. Her stepfather was Walter Matthau yeah. and her dad, William Soroy, big shadow. She was visiting him in Fresno uh, uh, and he was on his deathbed and he said, leave me in peace. I can't stand the smell of your perfume. Let a dying man go in peace. What a fucking monster. Yeah. That's how he said goodbye to her. Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, so Lucy, you know, Lucy was troubled. But anyway, so Lucy took me out to um, Northridge, yeah. this house that he just recently bought. And he needed a decorator, and she so she was doing that too. What year is this? We're now seventy seven. Summer oh, so. summer seventy seven. August seventy seven. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you met him years before you guys got married. Oh I mean, yeah. And before he. Oh yeah. So I watched were... him marry someone else. I mean. Well, he seemed to do that pretty often. He <laughs> he did. <laughs> you know what I say about Richard? Yeah. He he yeah. married to end relationships. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, right. It seems like every marriage was two years. Yeah, exactly. At the most. Exactly. A couple months, exactly. two years. Exactly. Yeah. And then you either, you know, you either kept in touch with him or, which of course he recycled everybody. Mm. You know, I mean, he just did. But, um, so I worked for him and I. Um, what do you mean by recycled? Like they were, everyone was sort of, there's like, are you saying that outside of maybe the first couple uh, that everyone remained in his life? Yeah. Kind of? Yeah. Mm. He, he he didn't let go easily. I mean, even though he would kick you out, it was always temporary. You mm. know, he would he would um, he loved to pit women against each other. Of course, that was a that was kind yeah. of you know, King Henry the Eighth. So what to make him feel wanted? I think Richard. Uh, oh, this is the part that's hard, isn't it? Um, I don't know. I, I it's hard to obviously psychoanalyze a guy, but I mean, you know, you spend time with him, and there are, you know, there's. There are mysteries around the guy and some of those things you've talked about publicly. But, I mean, these are just whatever your feelings are. Well, exactly. I mean, you know, yeah, he pissed me off the way he would. (laughs) (laughs) So he provoked jealousy to get, you know, people Manipulation. Manipulation. Yeah. 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 That's a fair word to apply to all of that. But sure, but it's it's ego-driven. Yes, of course. And drama replaces, you know, true intimacy. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. 
There you go. But you know what? What does one bring to the party too? So, so where am yeah, I lacking? Yeah, you know, of course. Where's, well, yeah. my, where's my trouble with intimacy that I'm having too? Well, I mean, who doesn't? You know, yeah. but it, you know, it, you know, when you look at his background, you know, it, you know, I think the intimacy thing is really like, you know, if your parents were untrustable emotionally, there like, you go. What are you going to do? There you go. You're going to wrestle with it. You're going to have a few fleeting moments of vulnerability and then lash out. Exactly right. <laughs> that was terrible. Yeah, yeah. that was terrible. <laughs> Get the fuck away from that person. But the interesting yeah. thing about him ultimately is that what makes him transcendent and what what you know everyone talks around or talks directly about was essentially his vulnerability. So when he was on stage where he seemed to feel the safest, you know, he was willing to to open up like that. And a big price to pay. I guess so. A big price to pay. What do you, why do you think that is? What do you mean by that? Oh, God. Because I think that when you give of yourself so deeply, yeah. you know this is a stand-up, yes. too. Yes. All right. So you're, you're, you're pouring But not all stand-ups do that. No, no. Of course not. No. No, I mean, no. most stand-ups, if you think about stand-up and the reason why, you know, he stands alone right. is because, you know, Harry Shearer once said to me, you know, people become comedians so they can have control or try to have control over why people laugh at them. So, you know, a, for a lot of comedians, the, the only risk is not getting the laugh. OK, so right. it's not like they're out there putting their heart on the line. Right. You know, they're, they're, they're putting their ego on the line. Yeah. But, you know, with with Richard, there was a sense of that. Even when, you know, the people talk about Chappelle or how great Chappelle is, yeah. that the vulnerability that Richard had because he was such a shattered guy you know he didn't have much control over so right. it was always there and i imagine you're saying the weight of that is that you're going to walk off feeling exploited in a way well you 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 feel the commodification of it all do you know what right, i mean right you feel used yes you hmm. you know I've, I've exploited myself i've done it myself i've exploited myself so who the fuck are you going to be angry at now who are you going to lash out at now so and, and look at me i've i used to see, i've seen him i saw him a few times go after studio heads and I could understand it because he felt at times like a commodity which right. I think all artists do at some point well sure you know if you're if you're in touch with any of it you know yeah of course intellectually I get it yeah yeah but that that vulnerability you're right not everybody does it a lot of people become become uh actors uh comics I think so they can put the mask on yeah, or else they have a character on stage, yeah. you know. And, and and Richard, obviously, from what I could tell, had a disposition. Uh, but it, it just seems after, like, reading the autobiography, which the, the most fascinating thing about that was the prior convictions, yeah. is that, you know, it feels like he wrote a lot of it, you know, whether he was speaking or not, but it was almost childlike in the way he presented his past, right? So I feel like he, he somehow was very in touch with this 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 sensitivity and this vulnerability that yeah. seemed very young yeah. amidst all the fucking chaos and everything else that he was you know the the really incredible thing that that you just hit upon uh, is is a, is um his journals mm -hmm. and after the fire um he you mean after he burned himself up after he lit himself on fire and tried to kill himself let's call it what it is well yeah let's 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 do that because it seems like you know you were with him for that yeah i was with him i was there he said if you don't leave bitch it's going to happen to you too really yeah. So, all right. Well, before we get to the journal, so so you meet him in 77. So, Where's yeah. he at? He is doing the NBC Variety Show. 
Pam Greer is coming in and out of the house. I'm working. I'm meeting that's, workers. And that's in the box set, the four episodes. Yes. Of his show. Yeah. Where he took all those comedy store people and yes. stuck them in there. Yeah. Robin and Sandra. Robin and, and Sandra. And Shirley. Paul Mooney was. Paul Mooney. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, Mooney. Mooney, shit. Mooney. Uh, <laughs> goodbye. Yeah. And a love-hate thing with Richard P.S. But. Um, well, I don't know what, you know, like, I see, I saw footage of that weird roast that that yeah. one that wasn't public yeah with all the sort of homosexual overtones and you know and whatever rich you know whatever mooney was up to i don't know what the nature of that relationship was over time richard richard and, and him and Paul, yeah. well richard was honest about it. he t- you know he was <laughs> he he was giving someone a tour of his house in north northridge this is kind of an infamous tale now and and he said hey paul this is the room tell him this is the room where i fucked you <laughs> You know, hey, listen, yeah, yeah. what I say is enough dope and you'll fuck a radiator and send it flowers in the morning. Yeah, right? Coke is a, like, yeah, yeah the Coke weird thing is about, like that. Yeah, but the weird <laughs> thing about Coke, if you're a dude, you may fuck a radiator, but it's going to take you a couple hours. <laughs> exactly. But you're, you're going to keep working at it. Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> and and once you get it done, you're like, I can't, I can't, I almost died. <laughs> That's, but, uh, it's so true. So, so, so anyway, so, 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 yeah. So here we are, 77, yeah. and um, I'm meeting workers. I'm, you know, trying to help Lucy kind of put this all together. And so the turning point was yeah. um, my birthday, August 31st, 1977. Um, Richard says, I have a gift for you. Now, yeah. remember, these were the days. Right. And he hands me an envelope, yeah. and it's full of Coke. Right. With a nice note. Mm. And, of course, the three of us start doing blow. Yeah. And it gets to be late. And he said, you can't drive home. Go to the guest room. And Lucy and he go to their bedroom. Mm. And um, so the sun's coming up. Lucy comes back and says, we got to go. And I said, Lucy, I have to be here in an hour. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why am I going to oh, leave? It's the worst feeling. It's the worst feeling, right? <laughs> oh, like, my Lord. If I, if I, for some whatever reason, can't get to sleep at night and I see that sun come up, I'm like, oh, it all comes back. It all comes back. It's the worst. It's, it's ju- you just want to die. Yeah. You just want to grab hold of something yeah, that isn't the there. You, yeah. just never, you don't feel good for two days. No, yeah. no, at least. Yeah. And you hate yourself yeah. more and more. Mm. Um, so the, the sun's, she's got the white walled nasal and nostrils, and she goes, we got to leave. Yeah. Richard pulled a gun on me. The I first. Said, this is the first day you met him. Yeah. No. This is the, no. No. This is oh. maybe a week or so later. Oh. Right? Okay. Yeah. So you, I met him you, on August twenty second. This is now the thirty first. So, so, my so birthday. The second okay. date with the, the gun. Se- the second date with the gun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She. He pulled a gun on me. Yeah. I said, "Oh dear." Yeah. And she's. <laughs> she said, "So we have to go." Yeah. And I said, "But I'm, why would he pull a gun on you?" Yeah. Well, what? apparently, she. He asked her for a blowjob, and she turned him down. Uh huh. Hence the gun. Okay, but where where are you in this? Oh, oh, so oh, she I'm in came the guest to the room. room. Oh, I see. Okay, so this I'm is in the a, guest oh, room. Okay. She goes. He pulls a gun on me. He pulled a gun on me. I'm like, okay, but I have to be here in an hour. Yeah. In other words, wild horses couldn't have driven me away. Right. 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 So Richard comes in. She takes off. Yeah. Furious. Yeah. Furious. Yeah. And Richard comes in an hour or so later, and with a blue terry cloth tattered robe, and yeah. says to me, "You have to stay and help me." She's gone. She quit. <laughs> yeah. I fired it, whatever this yeah. jumble of words were. Right. And I, uh, my house is torn up, and I need you to help me. I, I, of course I'll help yeah. you. Of right. course. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. Sure. And it's so weird that this is happening, like, after a Coke bender. <laughs> so the... Yeah, no one's eaten. No, you're, you're fucking. You're saturated with booze and blow, and there's that weird thing in the air, and he's fucked up, and you're like, okay, great. <laughs> sure. 
<laughs> the beginning of a great thing here. This is absolutely, absolutely. Why not? Yeah. I'm in. I'm all in. Uh, then yeah. you got to take a nap for a day. Exactly right. right. Exactly right. So, that, so that's how it started. So you. Didn't... That's how it started. And then we we. Did you fuck on that day? No, no, okay, no, right, no. Right, we right. graduated to this. This is kind of it. This is kind of well. It contradicts the whole thing with John Prine, but um, this is kind of how it how how you say, well, you don't fuck on the first day, get to know somebody, yeah. which is what happened. Richard and I started having these long conversations. He had this office uh, upstairs overlooking an atrium, and um, he'd say, come talk to me. Yeah. And we'd talk about everything. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, he was seeing Deborah, and he he um, it was Christmas time. Yeah. He called me out to the house, and he gave me a bonus, and... Uh, said, "Why don't you start playing chess with me? This uh-huh. is Christmas now, end of uh, end of seventy seven. Yeah, start playing chess with me." And I said, "Okay." And he had some blow, and we were doing some blow yeah. playing chess, blow and chess. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> great. A lot of talking. And I start winning. Yeah, and and he gets mad at me. Yeah, and he knocks the 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 chess pieces sure. off the thing, sure. and and we you know start kind Going of on it. the desk yeah. a little yeah. and then in the driveway comes Deborah she had taken off in a huff Deborah who Deborah well Pryor right McGuire Pryor right, right. okay okay and um, African American he married before me they were still married uh, yeah they were still married actually they yeah they were still married yeah. and he start and he said I have to have you where can where can we go and yeah. I said well I'm you know right now I'm staying with John Schlesinger at his house on Sweet the director yeah <laughs> and his boyfriend John okay. Michael Childers. Yeah. So I had a room over there. Yeah. I was that was living. I went moved my bungalow into anyway. So he 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 followed me. Yeah. And we made love. Yeah. And where Deborah go? And Deborah's Deborah's probably still at the house. Deborah has a lover of her own. Okay. So this is some seventies shit. This is some se- more seventies coke shit, right? <laughs> Whenever people talk about this stuff, because I know what the cocaine time zone is, yeah. like anytime I hear these memories, <laughs> it's just that weird electric haze comes of, back, like, comes oh, well, flooding well, back. Just, like, but that is what you're driving through. It's a di- yeah. You got to know that you that feeling. Yeah. Because it's not like everyone's just having a day. No. It's fucking insane. It's insane. <laughs> Oh, it's insane. Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, it was like, you know, strap on because you are taking a ride here. So where's he at creatively? Are you going to watch him do his shit? What's he, where's so he working? So here, here's, here's where we'll go creatively. So, so, so cut to New Year's Eve where he shoots the car. Okay. What year was that? That was seven. That this was, you is, were with him then? Y- no. Okay. Now, no, no, no. Follow this. Christmas 77. 77. A week later, we have New Year's 78. Right. Okay. Okay. I'm back. He's visiting family, visiting my crazy, fabulous family. Yes. And I'm on a plane back when he shoots the car. And you know the routine. Yeah. You're You're not leaving in this. You may be leaving, but you're leaving in those hush puppies. And that was Deborah. That was Deborah. Okay. And her three friends, yeah. who all were getting in the vintage Mercedes. <laughs> same gun, I guess. That same he gun. Drew which, on which I have, by the way. I yeah. have I have that gun. <laughs> the famous gun? The famous three fifty seven yeah. Smith and Wesson. Yeah. Yeah. Took the firing pin out. He almost killed me with that gun too. Took the firing pin. How many times? Oh God. Um <laughs> seriously? Yeah. Once. Okay. Really close. Um, Fuck. Um so okay, here we are, seventy eight. Yeah. And um So he gets that great bit. That's a that's live in concert. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's, that's seventy eight live, live in, in concert. Con- okay. 
Okay, so now we're at New Year's 70, he shoots the car. So he, um, I get back, and his secretary calls me and says, stay away from the house. It's, it's all hell's broken. You know, he was arrested. It was a whole mm. scene. Mm. So I, uh, he calls me up and goes, where are you? You know, it's now a week or so later. And I said, well, I was told to stay away. He yeah. said, please come out to the house. Right. So I came out. And he said, you know, I'm really in trouble and things are really terrible. And anyway, we made love. I stayed the night. And he said, look, I'm going to Hana, Maui tomorrow. And I want you to come down in a, in a week's time. Yeah. I said, love it. Love it. We'll do. Which is what happened. Now, so I go to Hana. Yeah. And he, he buys land there. And we have this incredibly lovely romantic time, right? We come back to Los Angeles. And we're, you know, we're dating. Some craziness is going on. Yeah. But so I'll get to the key bit okay. here, which is, of course, we're on Coldwater Canyon one night. We'd been to Sammy Davis's house. Yeah. And we're driving home. Yeah. And he does a U-turn in cold water. And I said, where are we going? He goes, well, you'll see. So, you know, yeah. down sunset, pulls in the comedy store. And I had never seen him on stage before. Huh. So he he plops me down at a table. In the small room? In, um, in the original room? The original yeah, room. Yeah. He, his favorite room yeah, was the, the OR. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he gets on stage. And Mitzi's there squealing. I can't believe he's back. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> she loved him so much. Yeah. And um he gets on stage and he starts talking about the first thing he sees, which is candle wax on the floor. Yeah. And I start taking notes about what he he's just starts freeforming. Yeah. You know, his mind sure. is popping, right? Things yeah. are coming out, bam, bam, bam. Yeah. And this was the beginning of woodshedding for live in concert. In concert. That was the movie, man. That was the one that changed my life. And then he just stayed on that. He kept going there and working it. Yeah, he started, that was May. That was May 78. Wow. When he started putting that together. And it's all personal experience. That, like most of that stuff uh, in there is all. Like, all. And that's the great stuff with the dogs and stuff and all this stuff. The monkeys. Everything. And the monkeys in that too? Yeah, the yeah. monkeys. And that's where Richard's genius is. And when I see people try to manufacture sometimes stories, I'm thinking, oh man, just tell a story about your fucking life. Right, right, right. right. Just tell the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, probably a paragraph. <laughs> the, the, unfortunately, like, not everybody is as chaotic and impulsive and out there as Richard. <laughs> so the life gets a little limited. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Not everyone's going to shoot their car, <laughs> come back with the bit. Well, you hit on something I used to say to him, too. Sometimes he'd start a fight, and I'd say, Richard, oh, you need material. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is the creative process. Yeah, yeah. This put is the gun it. away. I That's get it. it. That's it. We shot it in, um, so he put, you know, at the end of the summer, midsummer, he's got it together. He goes on the road. Yeah. And um, I went on, I went on the road with him for some of that period we did, of dispel time. Dispel this rumor. that yeah. he, People said that like during the show that was actually shot that he turned around and did blow. No. Okay, good. Totally. And this is the thing that people really get wrong about Richard. Yeah. Richard really was disciplined. Yeah. I mean, when he had a mission, when he had, when he had his focus, yeah. when he was focused and knew what he wanted to do and knew he had to do something, he would take naps in the afternoon. Oh, yeah, he'd do it. He would do it. Yeah. He, he was very disciplined. Not that we didn't party. He I wasn't going to fuck it up, though. He, he wasn't going to fuck The work was the most up. important. Yeah, he knew he had to dig himself out. He, 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 had, he painted himself in a corner with that car shooting, and he was in deep shit. People Culturally. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, people weren't returning his calls. Yeah. The t- everyone thought he, he did that Hollywood Bowl thing, too. 
oh, in right. that yeah. interim. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that whole the thing. The weird anti-gay he got, thing? He got married. What was in, in like the space of a couple of weeks, he married Deborah. He, he, he uh, you know, kissed my rich black ass. Yeah. You oh, F's. that, right, yeah. right, right. I heard a, re- a tape of that recently. Yeah. It's fierce. It's fierce. Wasn't there some sort of weird anti-gay diatribe in there, too, or am I making that it, up? No. There was a, he called everybody. Yeah. 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 And, and, but he had seen, there are different stories about what provoked him. Yeah. He told me he saw some racism going on, you know, backstage. Oh, yeah, right. That's and what I heard. the right. dancers. The, the, right, the, right, yeah. right. Yeah. And, um, and he, he was really upset about it and, and he lashed out. Sure. And I was hanging out with a very heavy group of gay guys at the time, yeah. Schlesinger and all yeah. those people. Yeah. And they were like, Jennifer, you're running with this guy, and he's like, you know, yeah, he yeah. hates gays, but he didn't hate gays. It was yeah. just a, you know, a moment of crazy shit that happened in his head. And, so, uh, yeah. So after he does the the live in concert thing, does shit level off or what? So December um, shoot live in concert. It comes out in February seventy eight. Wow. Huge uh, hit. Sorry, seventy nine. Huge hit. Yeah, huge hit. And he crosses over, and things start to get crazy. That was really the one, right? They, like that, he cro- was, that was it. That was the one. In fact, um, uh, Scott Saul wrote a book called Becoming. I read it. Okay. Yeah. Where does it end? There. Yeah. Why? Because the, it was called Becoming. Yeah, I get it. That's when the voice, it all yeah. coalesced. It all came together. I love that book. You like that book? I do like that book. I think he did his homework. Yeah. I wished it had gone the distance, you know, only because I would have liked to have seen it in, well done. And, and What, you mean the second half? Well- the Gone uh, the distance how? Like to keep going past- You know, and I understand because, look it, the truth is, after live in concert, even though the money and the fame yeah. and all of this is going up, the truth is the trajectory of Richard's life was going like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can feel it in the, like, I mean, I don't know when the actual disease kicks in, but I mean, like, certainly, I, I, I don't. 86. 86. 86. Mayo Clinic diagnosed him. Oh, but like, I can see what you're saying. And I don't know what, what caused that. I don't know what was it within him that after, after that live in concert, that must have been the beginning of him feeling exploited or or, or seen or commodified yeah, he, or all yeah, the other stuff. Yeah, Too big. Too big. Right. And when you throw celebrity, come on, it's nothing new. Celebrity and money and fame, bam, here it all is. You can have it. You can have it. You. What do you want? What means something? After, you know, I mean, it, it's hard to be in a relationship. Honey, take out the garbage? Right. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's not going to work. So, so what happens in that two-year period of time before him trying to kill himself when you're with him like after live in concert he does a movie or two right he does uh okay so well, we got married not really we got married august 16th 19 uh, 1981 the yeah. fire was june 9th 1980 but right but so in 78 though 79 he does live in concert right yeah and and then but what what is when you say he starts going on a downward trajectory? Okay, what's so, happening? So we're, he's doing some films, yeah, and and, and of course, Bustin' Loose um, was was the film that he was working on, and everything just starts to fall apart. He's he discovers Freebase, uh, his lovely drug. Yes, it does the Muppet movie. Yes, he does. He does, and he does. Uh, In God We Trust, things are happening. Stir crazy, busting loose. Yeah, stir big movies. Yeah, stir crazy. Okay, that's where. Okay, so he was high the whole time on stir crazy. Okay, freebase. Okay, so after busting loose, he comes home. 
we're not getting along because he's cheating on me big time yeah. with some girl in the movie. Yeah. And, um, okay, so, and I'm not behaving well either. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. So, I walk in the house one day and I smell smoke. Mm. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I follow the smell to the back master bedroom and he has accidentally... He's a little arsonist. He always was. Mm. He accidentally lit the mattress on fire doing this free base, this new free base thing with rum and cotton yeah. and cooking it and all this shit. Yeah. And he lit the bed on fire. Yeah. Mattress on fire, drag it to the bathtub, blah, blah. Yeah. This is the beginning of a nightmare. Yeah. This is when Freebase comes into the house. Right. I eventually leave because Freebase has moved in. It's yeah. like a woman. Yeah. The way you made love to me was a shame and a disgrace. Your ice cold heart chilled my soul. Your woman is Freebase. Yeah. It was. Yeah. I wasn't there anymore. I did it with him. I hated it. So I, I hated it. Ah. You know, uh, give me a little blow. Yeah. But no, 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 no. This is like a mallet on the head. Yeah. It's like it's like heroin. It's making blow into heroin almost. Yeah. Because yeah. you go out. You just yeah. zone out, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and and he just uh, it just took over everything. So I moved out. Um, it's weird he didn't get into dope, huh? Didn't get into heroin, huh? Richard, yeah. Well, not that he didn't try. Yeah, yeah. There, there were there were moments to come down, probably. Probably, mm. yeah. There were moments though. Yeah, but um, yeah. So so. Um, Thing, it was a very dark period. Yeah. I I had an apartment at that mm. point in Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. and. Um, and oh, he would show up in the middle of the night, and and just creepy, creepy shit was going on with this fucking freebase. Makes you crazy. You know, no sleep, you get go crazy. You're crazy. Yeah. And 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 one night he said, "I want you to come out, and here's what I want you to wear." Hmm. And by that time, I was going to AA meetings. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, because I liked Quaaludes, and I'm like, okay. Well, you get, you get you can't take you can only take so much. Man. You know, yeah. I got I got to straighten my shit yeah, yeah, out because yeah. I'm doing something every day. You go and crazy. I man. wasn't digging that, so yeah. I was. You know, I was. Remember, I went to Beverly Hills meeting and um, Rodeo, yeah. and and they said, "Don't go see him. He's crazy." But I had this little outfit on that. Yeah. You know, I was in complete denial. I was going to Allen on at the same time. Sure, right? man. Yeah. And, and get them all going. So I go out, and he goes, blink your lights, because now the family has come. Certain members of the fa- of the clan yeah. has descended mm. on the house. Yeah. And so I walk in, and uh, the front door, come, flash your lights, I'll meet you in the front door. And he was dressed up like a member of the Gestapo. Uh, in a Nazi uniform? <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding. I'm like, this shit. Hey, well, at least he kept his sense of humor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh shit, I gotta, I gotta get away from here. Anyway, yeah. it just, it was a really dark scene, yeah. and uh, so stir crazy happens, and he walked off the set. It's kind but, of a rough movie to watch. I, you know what? Mm. I've never watched it. Yeah, you know, like him and Gene had, did some amazing stuff. They did a couple great movies, and then like, I, now that I think about like when I'm looking at the trajectory here, you know, on the page here. You know that that's really it's interesting that where when he really becomes huge with that live in concert that's it that's it that's, that's crossover what, time too I know white white, white audience mo- yeah. yeah it was it was that was the, that changed comedy it changed the world yeah and then he just it just started crumbling huh? and it was really the free base it's really true I <laughs> mean that that was it even though of course the the checks were bigger the paydays were bigger the move you know yeah the but he fame. never looked he never looked to, that together after that. He never was. It was that fucking freebase. Hmm. That goddamn drug. And and you know, I I mean 
It makes me really sad. It makes me angry, too. I'm still angry at him for doing that shit. I'm like, you know, at some point, come on, get off it. It's enough. I know. We partied. Call it a day. Well, that was it. Like, right. So you guys made it through the fucking 70s. And then this is what the 80s became. This and is it what was the a 80s fucking became. Nightmare. And it was a nightmare. So when the day that he tries to kill himself. So what, I went out there. I, he said, you know, um, he had walked off the set. Yeah. And um, of stir crazy. Yeah. yeah. And there were a couple of incidents. I, I went out to try to talk him. You know, Hannah Weinstein was one of the producers. Can you go talk him back into, you know, we, we just yeah. need a, a couple of days reshoot here and da da da. And um, he tried to kill me. He had his hands around my neck and said, you know, you're going to go down. And I'm like, I'm going to go down. And uh, I, I got away. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, this is how crazy yeah. I was. And my Al Anon shit was like so crooked yeah. twisted i went back out there one day and um you know the coke on the desk this antique child's desk i bought him was this high a pile of it yeah and he's you know going through it and um he said you know i'm gonna die. i'm yeah i'm i'm gonna it's over i know what i need to do and i said richard Richard, now come on, you can't hurt yourself. He said, the shit's over, and I know what I have to do, and if you don't get the fuck out of here, it's going to happen to you too. And Richard never made an idle threat. Yeah. Personally, I yeah. know that. Right. Um, so I got out of Dodge, and I got in my car, and I flew like the wind back to my apartment, and I called Jim Brown. I said, Jim, he's going to hurt himself. He's going to... Oh, first of all, I told the in the kitchen before I left, Aunt D and this other, you know, so-called bodyguard from the neighborhood, Peoria, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, I said, he's going to hurt himself. Get out of here. I mean, they made it... They laughed at me. Yeah. Little stupid little white girl. Get right, out. right. Um, I got back to my apartment. I called Jim, and I said, he's going to hurt himself. He's going to do something. And I had been in touch with Jim about yeah. trying to get him into rehab. Yeah. And Jim Jim said, don't worry about it, Jennifer. I'll go out there this afternoon. I hung up with Jim. I called the house. I'm talking to Aunt D. And <clears throat> the next thing I hear is a scream. Yeah. She drops the phone. Yeah. He is running through the house on fire. Oh, my God. How many people are in the house? At that time, it was um, Aunt D., and the bodyguard, I think that was it. There may have been another person in the room. I ran. I when I heard that, I went out to the hospital and um, Valley Presbyterian, which is where he was. Yeah. They got him to Valley Presbyterian. Picked up on the highway. You know that whole story. Picked up on yeah. running on fire. Yeah. And I told the uh, doctors. I said, "Listen, you have to know he's." loaded to the tits literally on coke and vodka and cavassier and i didn't want him to die and right. they were you know you start shooting somebody up with morphine yeah and they were there of course you know with the psychology of you never talk tell the truth about drugs or alcohol to the cops or anybody else so they were of course trying to push me away he was transferred to the burn center which at the time was on uh van nuys yeah and um and he he stayed there and and um thank god got got some help and, yeah. and and was never the same never the same he refused to see me he was mad at me refused to see me why do you think he was mad at you oh i know why he was mad at me um i cheated on him oh. and uh and and had the t with a woman and had the temerity to tell him mm. 
and and it was a hooker. Mm. And it was like the Stockholm Syndrome. It was when he was on Bust and Loose. It was yeah. very weird. I, twisted. Yeah. Cocaine should. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Cocaine and quaalude <laughs> shit. What can you say? Yeah, yeah. You cannot explain this. No. You know, no. you can't explain this behavior. The, yeah, you can't explain it. And, you know, it's amazing you remember it. Oh, do you? Listen, I wrote it all down, thank God, yeah. so that I, I, have, I have a reference book uh, to my life. But, uh, yeah, it, that was crazy. I mean, I hired a hooker, just like Richard, you know, because yeah. Richard loves hookers. And she walked in and she had um, her leg in a cast. And I said, I want my money back. <laughs> <laughs> Send me another one, and and it was yeah, coke and quaaludes, yeah. and uh, and yeah. So I told him this whole thing, thinking he wouldn't be as jealous because it was a woman. Yeah, right, right. Well, no. Oh, the worst thing was I had given him. Uh, I get. I gave this hooker. A doll that I'd given him. This, this, uh, I called it a frou frou doll. She looked like a hooker with these big yeah, tits. And, yeah. And of course, that just sent him over the edge. And and that was the end of you guys for a while. For a while, yeah. He wouldn't see. So he wouldn't see me in the hospital, and he was seeing everybody else. And the a nurse took me in one day and said, "I see you come every day, and it breaks my heart to see you." African American nurse, the kindest yeah. woman ever, and said, "You need to stop coming because uh-huh. it, it. He's not going to see you." Yeah. The hospital is the best way to punish people. And I've seen it all. This She's telling me this. Yeah. And like, ding, a light goes on. Huh. So I stop. And um, he calls me up the day, bef- the, night, the day before he gets out of the hospital and says, I want you to come see me. I went out to see him and I walked in. He was different. He was never the same. He was changed. I could With see- With the skin grafts and everything? Yeah, but his, his, the light in his eyes was gone. The light was gone. Now, and this is where the now is this where these diaries come into play that you were talking okay, about? Okay, so here's what happened. So Richard and I, this is in like the now the summer, okay, yeah. summer of um, 1980, and um, I don't speak to him again. He goes off to Maui to recuperate. He's still doing drugs, by the way. Yeah, he's, you mean he, after he gets out of the hospital? During he right. had somebody bring drugs in. Right. Yeah. Um, blow. You blow. Oh, boy. And you he really had, want to be awake for that, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, you really want to stay up in the burn unit. <laughs> Hypervigilant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. So uh, so he is now, um, he's given an interview to Barbara Walters and lies about mm. the fire, mm. which tells me, by the way, you can never correct that first impression when the media puts it out and yeah, says, right. this is what happened. Because he tried to correct it and he never could correct or it. He said it was an accident. Yeah. yeah. He said it was, oh, the ship blew up. You yeah. know? And then, of course, it became a famous joke the about the cookies and the, and the milk. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, so, you know, I said, Richard, you didn't go through the burning bush. You got to fucking tell the truth. Yeah. You, can, you know, you can't lose your way this badly. Come on. So he started writing. He said, I want to write a book. Yeah. So he started, he got an agent in New York, and he started, um, I had bought him these beautiful leather-bound journals. Um, Is that, that's right. It, he does sort of cop to it in prior convictions, doesn't he? Yeah. And JoJo, he tried to tell the truth in JoJo. Yeah. Nobody wanted to know the truth. Huh. He was, so th- that was the beginning of prior convictions, these diaries? Yeah. So he gets to a certain point in the diaries, and I have them. And these beautiful, you know, rice paper leather bound. I had bought them at this wonderful shop in New York. Yeah. And um, he says, I don't want to write this book. And 
he stopped writing in these journals and it, it and I disappeared from his life. I was not around at this time. And he um he hired a co-writer. Todd but you, Gold. but you thought that, you know, when I brought up the child like tone, you saw it. Oh. Yeah. Even the I want to publish these someday. Yeah. They're so beautiful. Yeah. And one of the most beautiful things about them is that Richard was dyslexic. Yeah. And he spells phonetically. Yeah. And I find them like Frida Kahlo's diaries. Right. They the handwriting is so artistic and beautiful. Mm. I showed them to a very um, well known um, literary agent I know in New yeah. York, friend of mine, and he said the dumbest thing I ever heard. What? The dumbest fucking thing I sure. ever heard. Well, what do agents know? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. He said he said, oh well, it's really hard to decipher sometimes, so you have to have it um, typewritten, and um, you can't publish like this. Oh, you, you, like he's saying, you you need to correct the text. You have to. You can't have any of these mis. Wait, well, you have to do a nice book where they, they're actual pictures of the pages. Is what you got? Yeah, to do. exactly yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly like right. A Tashin book. Yeah, something. exactly. Like a Tashin book would yeah, be yeah. spot on yeah. with unpublished photos right, I have right. in these. You know, because it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know who published Frida, but it just has the same feel to sure. it. That There's also that book. Someone did a, a Diane Arbus book. With a lot of the scraps, I'll show it to you. It, yeah, maybe I, I, I think that's an art publisher. That's so an anyway, art, yeah. so so I've got to find the right publisher one day. But but that was the beginning of so right, we abandoned that right. and then went for the okie doke, as he would say. The okie doke. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. The, the old okie doke. The old okie doke. Yeah. And Todd Gold entered Todd Gold, and he writes this. What I think is a very dumbed down version of of. I, you know, I, you know, I, sure, but like, but I did like parts of it. Yeah. The, I, it was one of those things where it's like, I think the childhood stuff is pretty solid. Yeah. You know? But you'll see the child in this too. I oh, mean, yeah, this, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, is... well, I mean, he must have taken some of it from, yeah, I mean, Richard must have yeah. s- s- talked to him. Yeah. Yeah. And those yeah. memories are what they are, right? Yeah. Well, Todd was really, you know, Todd called me up one day and said, hey, listen, that scene in your book where he has a breakdown in Peoria with the family when they're all playing poker. Can I have that scene? Because I need something like that in the book. <laughs> like a fool, I said yes. Yeah. Yeah. What, on, you had published a book? Oh, I published it? a book. Yeah. A Tarnished Angel. Mm. It's out of print where I, it's all there. Well, the interesting thing though is like that you were du- you were with him during this like uh, amazing upheaval and, right. and, and emotional and creative catharsis and all this stuff. And then you were there then you know, when he started to really go down and then he does the Sunset Strip bit, which is so vulnerable, it's it's hard to watch in yeah. places, the live on the Sunset Strip. Yeah. I mean, like him making light of this thing, you know, having not really reckoned with the trauma, yeah. was, it's a, re- a little hard to watch sometimes. It is. It is. And and then like, so, so what happens to your thing? You guys just because you you reenter when he's on, on, in bad shape again. Yeah, right. Yeah. But like what goes on in the interim? So in the interim, he so so okay. So he's out of the hospital in Hana, contemplating what is his next move, a la book, starting yeah. to write. And then that Christmas, New Year's Eve, he calls him because can you meet me at the airport? Let's go to Hana together. Yeah. And and of course, you know, I'm like dying. I'm I'm so in love with him yeah. at this point still. And um, you know, I went I went to Hawaii with him, and we had a couple of good weeks. Yeah. But he's shuffling women back and forth, right. you know. So yeah. that's that that whole thing is still going on, and um, isn't he in bandages? No, oh, okay. no, but he's still healing. Yeah. I mean, I remember hearing him scratch in the middle of the night, and it was ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was just 
Yeah. Yeah. It was skin graft yeah, yeah. stuff. Right. And um it was it was it was it was hard stuff. Yeah. It was really difficult. Enter the summer. Yeah. And um I'm like, I got to get out of here. I can't do this with him anymore. This is such bullshit. Yeah. I'm going to go to Europe. I've got some friends there, whatever. I'm going to take off. Yeah. And he said, well, just come see me before you do that. Yeah. And uh, control, control, control. So, of course, I, I visit him and he proposes. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, Richard. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And I was dating somebody at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And um, a young, I had a young lover at yeah. the time. Yeah, a nice young lover, Venezuelan. You so you married student. him? I did. August sixteenth, nineteen eighty-one. So this is eighty-one, eighty-two. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't last a couple 81. years. Eighty-one. It okay. So um, yeah, it we, we, already a rough start. Yeah, but already wedding night, glass thrown. You already at had me. the well. You had the whole relationship already. <laughs> you you had arced. You know, and then that you we know. were on the downside. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So. Richard, did he marry me to end the relationship? There you go. There you go. There's my theory. So we went on a honeymoon on a boat in the Caribbean, and um, he he was violent with me. And I said, never again. This is the last time. And he said, well, I've got to go see Uncle Dickie. He's had a heart attack, and he left me on the boat. Yeah, and to go to Illinois. (laughs) He went to Illinois. Yeah, the boat was the boat was docked in in Marigot Bay in um, Saint Lucia, and. and I wasn't allowed to go anywhere on the boat. The, the captain had strict orders. And I'm like, well, shit, then I got to get out of here. Went back to L.A. and started divorce proceedings. And that, that was it. And, you know, my heart broke. And I thought, I got to get out of Dodge. It's interesting that he kept this, you know, like he did stay close to the Illinois clan. Yes. Yeah. Well, that not that how it works, kind of, in the African-American mm. community, especially? One makes it, you got to bring everybody along. And he did. Right. And he did. Mm. I mean, you know, he... he took everybody with him i moved i moved back to new york i'm like i gotta get out of here in 82 yeah figure out what just, what just happened what, yeah what just happened did you just sober up or what oh yeah no i was more or less yeah. you know but i wasn't abusing the way i was when but i was we with just him. coming out of that whirlwind of like it seemed like a decade at i least. had to figure it out it, <laughs> like a, it felt like 20 years of my life you know because richard in in a week in richard's life is like 20 years of somebody in iowa <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> Or upstate New York. <laughs> or upstate New York. So, like, obviously we can't get into uh, the whole second half, but what brought right. you back in 2000 or 1999 or whatever? So, or when did that start again? When did you guys, when did he need you again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, um, you know, we would always, he would call me from time yeah. to time. And, and um, I saw him in 86 and he asked me to read Jojo Dancer, which it was I thought, before the diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, before he he was diagnosed, but I didn't know it, mm. and so um, he was working on JoJo, produced JoJo. I was not in his life at that time. Um, he would come to New York, and I I'd see him then. Nineteen eighty nine, he came and did Cena Evil, and he asked me to help him out on that, you know, with dialogue, whatever. Mm. And I and we were saying at the Plaza today, and I realized at the time that he was walking. Very strangely, very, mm. and I said, "What? What's? Why are you walking like an old man?" Yeah, and he said, "I have MS. This is '89." Yeah, so um, that was it. He he and I were kind of adieu for a little while. Yeah, and I told I had the temerity to say to him one day, 
hey, take a walk up Madison Avenue. I kind of get off my jock. You know, he was just always on me, needy, yeah. needy, needy. And he and he showed me. He picked up a, a sales girl, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brought her and her little dog and the little stupid baby kibble to the, with the little cigarettes. And the, uh-huh. Oh. I said, Richard, what the fuck? <laughs> Again, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you guys had a thing going. Oh, heaven and hell we visited. And um, yeah, so in 92, I, came, I visited him again and things were, you know, he was going down the tubes and the hangers on were everywhere. In 94, he came back. He was in New York staying at the Helmsley Palace. Mm. Uh, thing at the Apollo honoring him. Yeah. Deborah was in tow, a couple of bodyguards, Rashawn, you know, the usual, yeah. and the and he was drinking water glasses full of vodka yeah. and the pills, and I'm like, Richard, you're going to kill yourself. Did you get strung out on pills with the burns? Strung out on everything. Yeah. It never, never really stopped. What were the pills? Vicodin. Oh, yeah. Percocet, Vicodin, yeah, right, you know, right. painkillers. Right. And um, I'm like, Richard, this is, you know, and there you had Deborah asking me to go down to the to the jewel, jewelry store in the Helmsley Palace yeah. to get the white lady's price on a diamond ring. Uh-huh. That's the kind of shit that was still going on, right? right. 90, 90, 90, 94. Yeah. And he said, you know, my life's really going down the tubes. <laughs> I said, no shit. <laughs> no shit. It's so sad. No, just yeah. take a look. And so I took a couple of trips out to kind of see if I could do this. And I was talking to my dad at the time, you know, who, who was... You know, I had to think long and hard about this because it was never easy to come back into Richard's life. Yeah. You know, and the yeah. chaos that ensued. Yeah. There was always chaos, even when he was sick, even when he was going down the tubes and, yeah. the, and the locusts had descended. Yeah. He was in a rental on Havenhurst near the Jackson. They, you know, he, just to keep a roof was like 45K. I, I, drew, I decided, yes, I'm going to come back. But the mess to clean up and the threats. I had my life threatened. Bye. Oh, ex-wives, maids. Yeah. Um, I mean... And this is 90... 94. Yeah. Summer 94, I moved out. And I had a nice duplex rent-stabilized apartment on 50th and Beekman, uh, east side. And um, that I, so I had to think about it, you know, but I, I, I jumped in because I saw what was happening. He had guns everywhere. Guns were hidden. Yeah. In all the cashmere sweaters. And, and I knew what he was doing. The money was going to go... And he was going to kill himself. Yeah. I mean, the writing was on the wall. Yeah, he was not a stranger to suicide. And he and he's physically uh, deteriorating. Going, deteriorating, not eating. You know, the vodka and the pills again. Vodka <laughs> and the pills. So. And he's in the work is the movies are not great. Oh, he's nothing's not, not really doing stand. Another right? no, he's not doing stand. Not doing anything. Yeah. So. Um, the, so there are messes to clean up. For instance, child support payments are through the roof because they were established when Richard was making big bucks. Yeah. Do you have kids? Nope. Smart. Either do, <laughs> either yeah. do I. Yeah. Richard had six by five different women. I remember when I was a doorman at the comedy store doing my little cocaine shit show. Yeah, Richard Jr. was around. You know, and I've I, I've met Rain maybe once, but I don't know the other ones. Yeah, they sued me, of course, when Richard died. But um, yeah, I was wondering because, like, you know, with this box set, which is great, we haven't really talked about it. Yeah, and also all the stuff that you're doing with the estate, which is, you know, it's great because, like, there's always this constant, there's always an ongoing resurgence of interest in Richard. Yeah, uh, that it never really goes away generationally. That's right. And you really kind of, yeah, I think each generation has to sort of reckon with the work, and it's really put together nicely in this box. Uh, which has almost everything in it. Yeah, in in some new stuff too. Yeah, yeah. 
And, uh, you know, but I, I just, when you were coming over here today, I'm like, oh, who's going to get mad about this? They all will get mad. And it's, <laughs> it, you know, it, it's yeah. okay. They'll yeah. all get mad. You know, the, 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 I'll cut to, they were all given a trust, right? The kids had a trust. Yeah. And, but they wanted the IP. That's yeah. what they wanted more than anything, of course. What it, the, uh, the, the ongoing. Intellectual right, property. Right, 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 right. And Richard left everything in my care. Yeah. And I'm glad he did because one of the things I had to do when I came back yeah. was sue the pants off a lot of these motherfuckers who were just stealing what wasn't nailed down, yeah. right? And people who were smarter than me, who should yeah. have been watching the farm, business managers, lawyers, et al., weren't doing it. Yeah. So I had to do it. And I learned quick, fast, and in a hurry, boy. I learned. And I coalesced the IP. Laugh, the laugh records you mentioned. Sure. All of those, you know, Drozen, the original guy, he yeah. was out selling them and yeah, licensing. He didn't, care, yeah. he didn't give a shit. So I sued him. That we, we were in litigation for three years. I got everything back. And, you know, that's what I had to do was coalesce, coalesce. I'm still doing that with Sound Exchange with a lot of titles that are, you know, Asia. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of titles that are out there. Asia. And I'm working with good people now. And I've, you know. So when did, when you came back into his life, yeah. like as, you know, a caretaker? More or less. Right. That's yeah. what it struck me as. Yes. That, like he decided that reaching into the, the tunnel of his life, that you were the one that was going to do this. Yeah. Yeah, he trusted me. Mm. And I think one of the reasons he trusted me was uh, we had a prenup when we were married, right? Mm. And my father, who's a brilliant lawyer, said, Jennifer, Richard hit you, and I want to sue him concurrently, not only for divorce, but for assault and battery, so we'll break the prenup. And I said, I'm not going to do it. And he's my father. And he said, why aren't you going to do that? And I said... Because I didn't earn that money. It's not my money. It's Richard's. I made an agreement. I signed that agreement, that prenup. I'm sticking by it. Why would I do that? And and I and I still believe I did the right thing. Why why would I do that? And for money. And um Richard trusted me. He yeah. he he knew he knew what I was made of, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And that I, I wasn't gonna right. I wasn't a shady bitch, you right, know. Right. And that I didn't have a baby for money yeah. and I didn't I didn't do that shit. Yeah, yeah. And um and uh, he knew he, when I wrote my book, you know, and came back, people were like, She wrote a book about you and and he said, Yep, and the bitch told the truth. Was that with, was that where the, the sort of admission of his bisexuality first started coming around? was that in that book? Um didn't he write about it in prior? Yeah, I wrote about it. Yeah, but yeah. Didn't he write about it in prior? Maybe convention? a little. Yeah, I can't yeah, remember. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's weird, like in, in the big picture that you, you know, especially in this culture we live in now. Yeah. That uh, you know that really isn't sort of taken for what it is as much as it, as you would think that you know because it was really part of him. It was part of him yeah. for a long time. Yeah. I mean, he talked about it, you know, in, in routines, yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah, uh, but it's like, you know, they're, they're, bi- they're little bits and pieces yes. from older records. Yeah. Like, they're not full explorations. They're asides. Exactly and, right. Yeah. Exactly right. But if he did get it in there. If you're paying attention. Yeah, exactly. If you're paying attention, yeah. So when you, when, when you come back yeah. and he's sick... And it was a mess to pick up. So I had to lower child support payments. They all threatened me. All the mothers threatened me, right? Because you're now managing the money. Because I'm managing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, as, as my dad laid out for me, you've got to stop the hemorrhaging of money. You've yeah. got to rehabilitate him physical and physically. And so your old man's guiding you through this. So yeah. he guided the wizard, me. Yeah, the, the wizard. He was, Harry was great. Harry was a genius. Yeah. He's passed on now, but yeah. an Irish raconteur genius. Yeah. Yeah. Good, And I, woof, it was a, it was a heavy lift. It was a heavy lift. Uh, but I am so proud of it. I'm so proud of it 
that Richard lived the last 11 years of his life in with dignity and love because he was taken care of. Mm. He was safe. Yeah. He, he, he was so fragile. He yes. was so fragile. And it was really sort of, I, 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 I saw him uh, for a minute at the comedy store in the chair. In 95, he wanted to go back. Uh, yeah. Now, Damon said to me, Damon Wayans said to me, why are you letting him do that, Jennifer? And first of all, I said, first, whoa, whoa. I'm not letting him. Let's let's get that straight. Yeah. This is Richard wanting to go back. He wanted the camaraderie. Yeah. He wanted to be back at the store. He wanted to still have... He had, See the guys. He did. I know. And he had shit to say, too. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I kind of look at it. He says, but it's tragic. I said, you know, Damon, it's heroic and tragic. Sure. It's both. Yeah, it's a weird thing about, you know, the male ego and about, like, you know, you don't want people to see that shit. Yeah. You know, but but like it was really something because it did return him back to that state of of uh, uh, the the type of vulnerability he achieved because of the illness. There you go. Was was now unescapable. Inescapable. It right. Suddenly. So it wasn't fleeting. You know, and it wasn't just for the stage. Yeah. He was. He was. That was who he was. And I shot that, and it's in the box set. That's great. Yeah, I've got all that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's been a journey, obviously, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, there, there. You know, I'm working on a biopic. Oh, the endless tortured history of the biopic. Did you have you seen anybody? Yeah. Oh, but I can't really talk about sure, that because sure, sure. it's kind of a what we're in oh, the yeah. process of right now. So, how far back are you going to go with that? Now, is that something that you consult with Scott about? Saul or no? Or is it just you? All you? He's on as a consultant. Uh-huh. We, we brought right, him right. in as a yeah. consultant. But I'm working with Kenya Barris. Oh, great. On the script. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, he's just got such a fresh look at it all. Sure. And, you know, he's such a creative genius himself. Yeah. You know, but um, genius, the word genius. Yeah. Richard hated the word genius. Um, yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. And I understand why. Yeah. I mean, I just read a piece on Jasper Johns where some woman is fetching about she doesn't really know how to paint and he he said I never know how to paint (laughs) I never know what I'm doing you know and that's Richard too and Richard would call him a genius people would call him a genius he was really baffled by that I think he wouldn't take it on. I think as a comic or as an artist or as anybody, you, you, don't, you, you don't want the pressure of that label. And, and, you know, a lot of times when you're an artist, you're sort of like, you know, Einstein's a genius. Yeah. I'm a con man. That's, there you go. <laughs> there you go. It's true. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but like, I, I think you did a great job with this box. Thank and, like, you. And I'm excited about the movie. And it was definitely uh, exciting meeting you and talking to you. And thank, you for, the, thank yeah. you for the presence. Yeah. It's been uh, deep. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he deserves it. You deserve it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And you look good. Ah, thank you. Take care of yourself. Live to tell the tale. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's it. Pretty wild, huh? Sad. But not so sad. I'm glad I. it was, you know, it's a side that we, you know, I'm glad that she had those memories and I'm glad we talked. All right, that's uh, the Ultimate Richard Pryor Collection. Uncensored is available now exclusively. Enjoy it. It's got everything. Richard Pryor Show, uh, all his specials, uh, JoJo Dancer, Your Life is Calling, documentaries, hours of stand-up, bunch of late-night appearances, and interviews. It's amazing. Okay, great. Let's play guitar.
Boomer lives. Monkey and Fonda. Cat angels everywhere. <laughs>